All right, friends. So that word that comes from the Old Testament, Jireh, is one of the names for God and means provider. Simply that God provides for all of our needs. Um, Four days from now, it'll be Thanksgiving. This is American holiday, to be clear, but I think it's one of the wisest things that we do as Americans to set aside time to say thank you for everything that God has provided in our life. As we have been talking about in messages leading up to um, Thanksgiving and in this month of gratitude and Thanksgiving, um, the, the soul, the spirit that God has given us is meant to run on the fuel of gratitude and Thanksgiving. Like, that's how we're meant to work. It doesn't mean that everything's always gonna be easy or nice or hashtag blessed, but it does mean that if you were able to draw a breath when you opened your eyes this morning, that you have more than enough cause while there's still breath in your lungs to be grateful rather than resentful. And this is the huge contrast, as far as I can tell, it's one of these two pathways in life. Sometimes the Bible calls it the way of the wise and the way of the foolish. Pastor Jeff preached a a message about light versus darkness. Last week, we heard a message about the contrast being embodied by two different brothers, Abel and Cain, and the radically different destinies that gratitude versus resentment played out in their lives. And this Sunday, on this Christ the King Sunday, this last Sunday of the church year, um, we're going for a final contrast. Jesus versus Satan. Could it get any starker than that? (laughs) You may be sitting here thinking like, Satan? Do people even believe in Satan any longer? This is one of the strange things that indeed, the more modern, the more technological, the more interconnected through technology, um, it seems like spiritual talk seems increasingly weird or countercultural. But the Bible puts it this way. The Bible teaches clearly that there is more to life than what we perceive with our five senses and what we experience through our eyeballs, through a screen. Ephesians says this, finally, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So far, so good. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Starting to get weird. What? There's a devil? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, just the material world, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. If you're a Bible-believing person, there is no way around this reality that it turns out that there is more, life, more to life than merely what meets our eye. And there's so much coming in our eyes these days. World Cup is happening later today. Chicago Bears are playing. There was just elections all across America, and it's easy for us to dedicate all our time and attention to economic matters, to political matters, to policy matters, to power matters. All of it, we can lay our hands on those things. We can see the outworking, but that is not the main thing going on in the big picture or in your little life. I'm going to quote from an author 
and adult convert to Christianity named C.S. Lewis. He's from Great Britain. Might sound a little British. One of the things that surprised me when I first read the Bible seriously, C.S. Lewis says, was that it talked so much about a dark power in the universe, a mighty spirit who was held to be the power behind death, disease, and sin. Did you ever notice how many of Jesus' miracles are casting out a demon or healing someone from a disease that is a result of some darkness in their life? The difference from my former view is that Christianity thinks that this dark power was actually created by God and was good when it was created and then went wrong. Christianity believes that we are in a universe that is at war. But Christianity does not think that this is a war between independent, equal powers. Think Star Wars, balance in the force. Christianity thinks that this conflict is a civil war, a rebellion, and that we are living on planet Earth in a part of the universe that is currently occupied by the rebels, by the darkness. This is what Christians have believed for 2,000 years. Not that all is light, not that all is roses, not that we're just basically good people who need to lean a little harder into our like nice selves, know that there is an invisible war going on, and it's not just out there, but it actually is going on inside each one of our hearts and lives. There is a war for who is going to be the leader, the prince, the king, the god of you and your heart. In describing this, in describing this battle, the Bible uses different words. One of them... Uh, for the powers of darkness, is Lucifer. Have you heard this word before? I mean, this is not like comic book devil kind of stuff. I'm going to read you a few words from Isaiah chapter 14. Here's the picture the Bible paints of how this war got started. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, Bright morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low nations. You said, I am going to ascend to the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But now you are brought down to the grave, to the very depths of the pit. The Bible paints a picture that once... Before there was a material universe, there was God and his holy angels. And one of them, named Lucifer, had this prideful aspiration that it was not enough to be in the company of a good God, but that what would even be better would be to be God oneself and to dethrone God. So Lucifer, which means the light bringer, became the prince of darkness by rejecting the one true God and trying to overthrow God. Have you heard this story before? The consequences are vast. We are living in a world that is broken, that is tainted with disease and darkness in every corner, 
And it all comes back to this original heavenly rebellion that spilled from angels who once they make their choice against God, it is a fixed choice. From their corruption spilling over into our humanity and into our world. Sometimes Lucifer is called Satan, which means the adversary or the accuser. And if you ever have heard a voice in your life, whether it came out of a human mouth or out of your own self-talk or for somewhere outside, if you have ever heard a voice that has said, you are not good enough. You are the worst. No one could love you. Why bother even trying anymore? That is the voice of Satan himself. It is anti-love. It is darkness. And probably everybody in the room has at least heard the kind of undoing whispers that the powers of darkness would send our way. There's a great old hymn in the church called A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Just to demonstrate, like, I'm not making this stuff up. Christians have always thought this. The first verse puts it this way. Like, who's going to win this war between light and darkness? A mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark, never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of our mortal ills prevailing, for still our ancient foe, who's that? Doth seek to work us woe. His wrath and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On this earth is not his equal. But though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness, grim. We tremble not for him. His rage we shall endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. We are living in the midst of a civil war, but the outcome, brothers and sisters, is not in question. The light is going to win. God is going to triumph. All it is going to take is a single simple word from God's mouth to make all the difference. Why hasn't God done that yet, if it would be so easy? What's taking so long? If this world is really enemy-occupied territory, then Jesus' arrival here is the story of how the rightful king has led an occupying force to begin to turn the tables so that light triumphs over the darkness. And again, to quote C.S. Lewis for a moment, when I go to church, he says, I feel like I'm listening to a secret radio station. He lived back in like the 50s and died in the 60s. A lot of radio, less internet. I'm listening to a secret radio station from our friends. And that is why the enemy and the darkness is so anxious to prevent me from going into Christian community and to church. And he does it by playing on our conceit and laziness and intellectual snobbery. So if there's really a battle, and if we are arrayed 
as those who follow King Jesus, who is leading the invading army, then one of the best things we can do is come into Christian community and weekly get some marching orders for how we are supposed to live. And C.S. Lewis is pointing out that if you have ever had thoughts like, you know what, I'm just too tired for a church today. Like, that may be true. You may be exhausted. That's why we call it a sacrifice of praise. But, like, that may be your flesh talking. It would also be uh, the talk of Satan, just to keep you out of company with other Christian people. If you have ever felt like, you know what, um, I've been to high school, I've been to college, or like, I have an advanced degree, the stuff they talk about at church, it's really starting to be beneath me. <laughs> Thank you for laughing at that. Um, tons of people think that. I mean, have you noticed, like, Christians' reputation as, like, intellectual giants is not improving? Uh, if you have ever just thought, like, you know, I really do love Jesus, but then I go and weekly I sit next to this person who sings out of tune and the coffee isn't awesome, I'm just going to, like, blow this off for a while. The enemy wants to keep you out of Christian company. You do not get bonus points for going to church with God, but what I'm saying is in our struggle, we need encouragement and empowerment, and it is God's plan through his word to give you a weekly, possibly even daily infusion if you organize your life the right way to get in touch with King Jesus who is organizing this invasion of his own country and his own planet. I'm going to tell you just a short story from John chapter 6 to illustrate this fight between light and darkness. In John chapter 6, Jesus has just fed um, 5,000 people. Disciples are tired. They get into a boat at dusk, and they start rowing across the Sea of Galilee. It's about an eight-mile row. I mean, tough thing to do at the end of a day. Darkness falls, and they are not across the lake yet. The Bible says this, darkness falls. As darkness falls, the darkness increases because this huge storm comes up. Wind and waves, this is a 2,000-year-old boat, like this is not the latest in nautical technology. They are struggling against the oars, the darkness of night, the darkness of the storm. In addition to those darknesses, the darkness of exhaustion starts to set in. Again, they have an eight-mile pole. And then in addition to the darkness of exhaustion, the darkness of fear starts to settle in because literally they're about to drown, like the water's coming up over the sides of the boat. And then the Bible says this. They're in the middle of the lake, four miles from either side. Jesus comes walking on the water. I would love it if there was film of this. Can you imagine? Like These, these guys are ter terrified. I would love to see the expression on Jesus' face. He's just... I... What would you do if you were in that boat? Multiple levels of darkness. And here's a guy who can walk on water. And then Jesus says these simple words to them. Would you read the yellow out loud? Jesus said to them, It is I... Don't be afraid. Who can say that? They're four miles from shore. It's pitch black. They're about ready to drown and they're exhausted. Hey, guys, don't be afraid. Then, in not a genius move, they were willing to take him into the boat. 
And then this really strange line, immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Again, they're in the middle of the lake. They're four miles from either side. And immediately the boat reached the other shore. There's a lot of miracles, unexplained things going on here. I think the point, though, is that the light of Jesus Christ is stronger than every darkness. It's stronger than physical darkness. It's stronger than the darkness of fear. It's stronger than the darkness of exhaustion. It's the stronger than the darkness of lack of faith. And Jesus is saying, I am the Lord here. I am the king here. So much so that it's almost as if there's a bend in space and time and it only takes a moment for the boat to be on the other side. Have you ever had an experience like this where time moves strangely? Sometimes it happens for bad reasons, like, you've, like you're suffering or a pain and a day seems like it takes forever. If you've ever been hooked up to IVs or things in the hospital, I mean, you can spend like two weeks and 24 hours in the hospital. Amen? <laughs> Anybody been there? Right. On the other hand, there are times when things are going good or blissfully where hours can pass in seemingly a moment. Just this last Monday, I was in a small group of Christians. We were silent together for 45 minutes. That may seem like an eternity to you. I swear only like 60 seconds passed in my personal experience because in my little subjective experience of the presence of God, it was so good, it flew by. This is how it works when Jesus is king. This story is not Star Wars in which the light and the dark have to balance themselves out for the force to be at peace. I never understood this about Star Wars, by the way, because we always cheer against Darth Vader, right? But shouldn't we want him to win half the time in the Star Wars? Anyway, this is not the Bible story. Against the darkness is the light of the world, who is also the king of the universe, who is also the king of the Jews, who is also the king of the wind and the waves, who is also the king of kings and lord of lords, who is also the king of me and the king of you. We just had an election here in the United States. You think if Jesus was on the ballot, he would get many votes? Or that 2,000 years ago, he would have gotten many votes? That's not how Jesus rolls, though. I would say, no, Jesus would not get the votes. <laughs> but that is not the point. Jesus is the king. Jesus is not the governor, the sheriff, the president. Jesus is the king. And the reason that he is waiting to make his rule and reign known is so that people like us can exert the gift of freedom that he has given us to choose him and to say, yes, Jesus, you are my Lord too. Why is God starting so small? Why doesn't he invade with a force of 10 million angels and a cosmic display of power? Why all this suffering and sickness and all the years? Is God not strong enough to make everything right? Oh, yes, he is. One little word shall fell the darkness. God is going to come in force. Jesus is returning as the king with the sounding of the final trumpet, but the Bible gives us a clue why it is delaying so that even now you, you might have the opportunity to say, Jesus, you are my king. It's not very impressive to watch a game 
I think there's a soccer game later today between the United States soccer and Wales. I don't think the USA is favored. But let's say you're watching that game and you, you don't really get excited about either team. And let's say at minute 85, toward the end of the game, the United States is up by two goals. And then you come out as just, USA, US, like as a rabid United States soccer supporter at minute 85 because they're winning. What do we call people like that? Don't say it. No, we call them fair weather fans or worse things or filthy hypocrites, right? They're like late joiners when the outcome is seen. Perhaps, spiritually speaking, many of us are playing out our life and times exactly that way. Hmm? Well, no, pastor, you're saying this whole thing about Jesus is king, but like, let's just wait and see. I mean, hopefully Jesus doesn't return while I'm here. And then there's space at the end of my life where I can kind of like make peace, set things right, repent for a few things. It would be a total drag to have to live the rest of my life as one of those crazy Christians. But do we ever contemplate what it is going to be like when God openly and directly makes his power known in the entire universe? When that happens, it is the end of the game. It is the end of the world. When the person who wrote the play walks on the stage, it means the show is over. And at that point, like, there's not time to dedicate yourself to the author God is saying that day is coming and the wisest, most loving, best thing you could possibly do is say right now, Jesus, you are my king. This is no easy or light thing. Again, like sometimes going to church is hard, which is why we call our singing and our testifying about the truth a sacrifice of praise. There will be days where you do not feel like following Jesus being kind to your spouse, being a good roommate, loving your coworker. If I can speak for Pastor Jeff and myself, there have been times we've stood up in front of you where we have been beaten up, battered, exhausted, dragging yourself out of bed on Sunday morning and are like, oh God, how am I gonna say anything good that might be of use to encourage these sons of daughters that you... But, we show, but by God's grace, you just keep showing up. That's what it means. One thing that it means to have Jesus as your king. And Jesus is asking, he's asking for you to choose a side sooner or later. And it'd be nice just to have like a squishy middle again, like, oh, just, I mean, is the darkness really that real? It doesn't seem that, it's that real. I'm going to close this message by reading um, about half a chapter of the Bible to you. It's from Revelation chapter 19. I'm going to leave about 20 seconds of silence and invite you, um, if it helped, close your eyes. There are so many images in this passage. I want you to see them in your soul and in your spirit 
what it's going to be like when Jesus comes as king. Okay? This is God speaking from his word. Let's be silent for a moment before him. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like a blazing fire and on his head, many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. And he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven are following him, riding on white horses dressed in fine linen, white and clean, and coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written down, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And then I saw a beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured and with the beast, it's false prophet who had performed signs on its behalf. The two of them were thrown alive into a fiery lake of burning sulfur. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven who had the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized that dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him up. in the war against darkness, which is not against flesh and blood. Jesus the king, the rider of the white horse, the one who is king of kings and lord of lords, the one who has a sword coming from his mouth, the one who is crowned with many crowns, that is the one that you want to be with. That is the one that you want to stick with. He is the one who sticks with us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so tempted to just want a safe, comfortable, blessed, simple life. 
But that is not what is going on from your perspective. God, it's humbling to think that you have given us the freedom to align ourselves either with your side or the side of darkness. And today, God, in this place where the cross is over us, where we believe in the power of the empty grave of Easter, we want to say to you, Jesus, you are my king. You are our Lord. Be that for us when we are in, when we are in the dark, when we are afraid, when we are exhausted, when we are drowning. You've done it before. Do it again. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen.